<laughs> How's it going, my friends? It's so great to be back. I'm super excited. I think uh, my favorite thing right now is I actually have air conditioning in here because <laughs> it is hot in San Diego. Uh, I do not remember it being this hot for this long. Um, so hopefully the heat subsides a little bit. Uh, they told us not to use uh, electric cars. Uh, right after about a week ago, they said, uh, they, you know, uh, we're going to transition to all electric cars. And then the heat wave comes. Don't charge your electric cars because we're running out of electricity. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, all right. Today's episode, we're going to go over these lawsuits uh, over Tylenol and the usage of Tylenol with, with pregnant moms and the uh, causation or alleged causation of, uh, you know, uh, injuries with the children uh, like autism, ADHD, and uh, other neurological issues. So we're going to talk about that and kind of like the medical research behind it. And then we're going to talk about kind of how the legal system addresses this. All right. It's going to be a great episode and uh, you're going to enjoy it. And a lot of lawsuits these days are resolved in this kind of, they call it MDL, multi-district litigation. And it's something that's, uh, it's getting more and more popular. All right. So let's get to it. Welcome back. I can't wait. It's going to be a great episode, okay? So before we start, there is, you know, a lot of people ask me, like, what are you up to these days? And I've got a lot of comments. I love hearing from everybody. And uh, after last week's episode, I talked about the uh, state of Texas and how they're uh, shipping migrants out of Texas into other states. And there's a lot of commentary and a lot of people contacted me about that. Uh, very, very interesting. I think a lot of people uh, were not happy with my conclusion that it is not unlawful for the state of Texas to do that, <laughs> you know, uh, whether it's good, bad, moral, just, fair, whatever. Uh, I'm just a lawyer. So my legal expertise is all I got. And I don't think the state of Texas is violating the Constitution by doing that. All right. So uh, now, oh, and, and another lawsuit I've been involved in, uh, any of you folks have T-Mobile. Uh, so last year, August of 2021, there was this ginormous data breach and uh, these cyber hackers got into the T-Mobile uh, systems and they took people's, you know, license numbers, social security numbers, profile names, you know, uh, a lot of like driver license numbers. It was just you know, massive data breach. And so uh, T-Mobile's agreed to put $350 million into kind of a settlement fund uh, because everyone that has T-Mobile, they should get credit reports and they should have like credit monitoring and things like that. So where do I come in? I can help you get uh, some of that money, okay? Uh, and then you can do whatever you want with it. Okay, uh, now I'm super excited about the today's topic. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, children with autism and, and, you know, what could possibly cause it. It is a very personal topic for me. I have, you know, my wife and I, we have three kids and uh, one of them has autism. And so it's, uh, you know, something I kind of monitor, obviously, and, uh, you know, read the, you know, modern research or, you know, new research on it and things like that. All right. So let me just give you the gist of all these lawsuits that are now coming down the, the pipe, okay? So there's these allegations that uh, that when the mom was taking Tylenol or acetaminophen, 
<laughs> Did I say it right? Yeah. Acetaminophen. <laughs> okay. And by the way, I got a little thing right now. Don't look at anything. Just put in the comments. How the heck do you spell acetaminophen? <laughs> All right. Let's see who gets it right. Just write down in the comments. Don't look and don't Google it. All right. Uh, so anyway, so the allegation is that uh, mom's taking this, um, you know, because a lot of times during pregnancy, right, the moms will have headaches or fever, uh, pain, you know, things like that, right? And so uh, doctors said, you know, you could take Tylenol, okay? And so a lot of people were doing that, okay? I mean, it's, um, you know, they don't want them taking other pain medication, uh, you know, ibuprofen's not that great, you know, and they got to do something if they have a fever, if they're in pain, you know? So it's uh, a lot of moms took it. And now, you know, there's these allegations that it may have caused autism in uh, in their babies, okay? So the first order of business is I'll get into this kind of the medical studies about it. Um, and let's see. And by the way, okay, wait, where is, okay. <laughs> As you know, I am not a doctor, right? So uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of people have said, well, Joe Samo, you're talking all this medical stuff here and there, but you're not a doctor. And that's true. Uh, but the lawsuits are handled by freaking lawyers. <laughs> so we have to know at least a little bit of the medical science, right, um, in order to kind of do this. Okay, so um, so the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, they define autism, and uh, they kind of explain the signs of autism, uh, things like problems with social communication and interaction, uh, repetitive behaviors. People with autism may, you know, have issues with learning, moving, paying attention. Uh, it's kind of like a neurological uh, you know, uh, thing and, and it's hard. It's really weird. They also say in here. And the reason why I'm a little confused is because, uh, or I sound confused because there's no real good definition and there's no like medical test, like in terms of like a blood test, uh, or anything like that to detect it. So, um, and there's still, you know, disagreements on how to define it and how to diagnose it and things like that. So if I sound a little bit not 100% clear, it's because I don't think the doctors are yet 100% clear about it, okay? And now, uh, let's go over, okay, so there's all these uh, medical studies about this, all right? I'm going to go through this really quick and kind of like explain kind of what I've found in these medical studies, right? So uh, the different doctors and researchers uh, began studying, like, is there, you know, a causal effect between taking Tylenol during pregnancy and then the baby's having autism? So in one study in particular, uh, this, uh, the JAMA psychiatry, um, uh, group. Okay. They did, this is a group of like a lot of different doctors and a lot of psychiatrists. Okay. And what they did, it's crazy. I can't believe how, uh, intensive and thorough, this is so they analyzed all right from 1998 to the year 2018, right? 20 years. Uh, a lot of moms volunteered by giving their, uh, you know, pieces of the umbilical cord. <laughs> all right. So they would give pieces of the cord, you know, and donate it to science. Right. And uh, oh, speaking of, I have a joke. Uh, you know, some of you know, a hobby of stand up comedy. One of the jokes I used to say is, I called science and said, you know, when I die, I want to donate my body to science. And then science called me back and said, no, thanks. All right. So anyway, so they donated their, uh, you know, pieces of the umbilical cord to science. Right. And over these 20 years, they had thousands of of these, you know, pieces of uh, umbilical cords. Right. 
And over these 20 years, uh, different medical groups, they they took like kind of uh, like plasma biomarkers, they call it. So they kind of took the cords and, and analyzed it and not just for this study, but like kind of just to have uh, all this like detailed information about the, you know, thousands of, of little samples of this, uh, uh, you know, plasma and umbilical cord. OK, uh, and remember, again, I'm not a doctor. Right. So that's why, you know, uh, OK. And they um, ultimately, they definitely found a few things, which was that they could find traces of the acetaminophen in the umbilical cords, okay? And um, also, this one was a troubling one for me to read. uh, A lot of times, they also, in addition to these studies, they had, as part of the studies, that they would follow the kids, you know, like, through, you know, uh, all the way to like, they're becoming an adult. Like, and what they did is they'd offer like medical exams, this and that, like free medical. And then they would, you know, with the consent of the parents and everything kind of collect information. Um, and you know, the, so that they can kind of keep it kind of like analyze, uh, you know, different birth issues, different, um, uh, you know, exposures to medicine and, and whatever. Right. So one of the things they also found was with the baby's, uh, urine after like two days after they're born, even in their urine, two days later, there was traces of the uh, acetaminophen, all right, which was very troubling in the sense that ordinarily with adults, it's only, you know, like when they do other other studies, the, it was only in the adult's uh, blood or urine for like three hours. So if somebody, like if I took Tylenol right now, uh, you know, like, and they test me tomorrow, like they probably wouldn't find any trace that I took it today, Right. But the fact that they found it in the babies, like, you know, a couple days after they were born and then the cords, you know, the umbilical cords, they were tested and had these biomarkers like years later, like they would have it that tested the, you know, the year the baby was born, like a few years later and a few years after that. Right. And the uh, traces of the acetaminophen, according to the study, uh, was still there years later. All right. So obviously that they're saying is, okay. Uh, there are these traces there, and they also, from the kind of uh, microbiology, you know, there's, <laughs> and forgive me again, all right, the placenta barrier, all right? Um, when someone's with mom is pregnant, you know, there's a barrier, this and that. They also found that the acetaminophen can go through the blood and, like, kind of, like, go through that barrier, Okay. God, that's I, it's like the way I I picture it. It's like the baby's like a castle and there's a, a, a moat around it, right? And, uh, and that's the placenta barrier. That's how I picture it in my mind. Doctors, you can tell me if it's exactly like that. And then you have this acetaminophen going through that moat into the baby, okay? Uh, anyway, that's how I pictured it in my head, okay? Uh, so there you go. So that's the, and then they also found a very strong, um, correlation between uh, moms that took the acetaminophen while they were pregnant and babies that had autism and ADHD and other neurological issues. Uh, they found a very strong correlation there. And uh, so much so that in their results, they said that they uh, they do believe, hang on, I should not, uh, I should quote them properly. In the study, Cord biomarkers of fetal exposure to acetaminophen were associated with significantly uh, increased risk of childhood ADHD and autism in a dose-response fashion. Um, And our findings support previous studies regarding the association between prenatal acetaminophen use and 
uh, you know, uh, autism. Okay. So shucks. Okay. <laughs> that was, you know, that was a conclusion. Also, the American, the FDA, uh, Food and Drug Association, they then um, have also in the past few years started warning about uh, the use of Tylenol for pregnant moms and that it could cause autism. All right. So that's the medical, uh, the medical stuff. <laughs> okay. Whew. Now I'm going to go from what something that I am not an expert in medical to something I am an expert in the law. <laughs> okay. So this is where it gets kind of, uh, to me, you know, kind of interesting and this and that, because what I'm about to talk about is going to occur over the next like 12 or 15 years of litigation. Okay. Let me just uh, stick with me for a moment because there are cases that last that long uh, and it's called multi-district litigation. Uh, and what it is, is um, if there's a lot of lawsuits over kind of like something of similar facts, instead of having like 15,000, well, what am I saying? Like how many lawsuits, if, if, uh, if this is accurate, how many lawsuits are going to be? There's going to be a million lawsuits, right? We don't want all those lawsuits to um, occur individually because that would, you know, take a big uh, burden of the federal courts and the state courts. So what we try to do, the law, not me, the law tries to do is uh, consolidate all of them into one court, okay? And that process of consolidating it into one court, just getting it into one court is pretty interesting. And then what happens there is even more interesting, okay? Just bear with me. It's going to be a lot of fun, okay? So... Um, so after these studies came out, then, then sure enough, there was, um, a lot of people that started filing lawsuits. Now, Tylenol is made, uh, it's a Johnson and Johnson product. Um, it's really funny. It's like Johnson and Johnson, uh, owns a company called McNeil because it was something like, I think like Dr. McNeil in the 1950s, uh, uh, discovered or invented, uh, however you want to say it, acetaminophen. Okay, and then they started making it in the 50s. It got really popular as a as a competing type of drug to uh, aspirin. And then Johnson & Johnson bought it, I believe, in 1959 or 1960, give or take. Uh, and then they've owned that company. I mean, it is Johnson & Johnson through a subsidiary, you know, since then. Okay, so now what we have is then there's all these lawsuits against uh, Tylenol uh, and or Johnson & Johnson. And the law in most states kind of goes like this. Um, for products, uh, if there is a product that hurts somebody, um, there's what's called strict liability because ordinarily in tort law, you have to prove three things. You have to prove that the defendant was negligent and careless. Then you have to prove that that carelessness caused that's the second one, the causation. And then the third one that it caused the injury, like what are the injuries? That's the third one. All right. With products, that first element, you don't have to prove negligence. If if it caused the injury, the product, then you don't have to prove negligence. So it, if, even if Johnson & Johnson was super careful, it doesn't matter. If they caused autism or other uh, injuries, then it doesn't matter how careful or how uh, you know reasonable they acted. If it caused it, then they're liable for the injuries, okay? So there's all these lawsuits against Johnson & Johnson, and the law in most states is, also, the retailers, if it's a big retailer, they are on the hook as well. So there's lawsuits against Walmart, Costco, CVS, Safeway, right? All these other uh, entities that sold uh, and still sell acetaminophen. Um, now, the reason why it's important to include those defendants is because, uh, you know, in case Johnson & Johnson, and they could do this 
because they have separate entities, okay, listen, hear me out, my friends. Um, they can, okay, so imagine Johnson Johnson's all the way at the top, and then they own all these other entities, and it's these other entities that sell this drug, okay? Um, and so one of those entities that sells this drug, theoretically, it can file bankruptcy because they're getting sued like crazy. Um, and then so you, and this happened, okay, with the, uh, what was it, the baby powder and all that? There was um, very, very strong evidence that that caused ovarian cancer with a lot of women when they were young and they had take baby powder and whatnot. Uh, and then later they had ovarian cancer. So what Johnson & Johnson did is it had one of those companies that they'd, okay, well, this is the company that's, uh, you know, taking care of this. And, ah, oh, what a bummer. This is true. This is not like made up. What a bummer. Johnson & Johnson said, that company's going bankrupt, <laughs> right? So all of those cases have to deal with a company that's going bankrupt in Texas, okay? It's kind of like a big legal fiction uh, or conspiracy. What do you think, <laughs> right? So anyway... That's why these lawsuits, they want to sue the maker uh, in case the maker, uh, it has a subsidiary supposedly, and that entity files bankruptcy. Uh, man, by the way, uh, I don't know how to say this. Okay, the the thing about the corporate kind of hierarchy, it kind of goes, okay, so let's say it's, it's Johnson & Johnson, right? That's the big corporate entity. Then they own a bunch of like other entities, like kind of one level down, so to speak then those entities will own like other entities. And then ultimately like, uh, you know, for like the, the local store, so to speak, like those will be its own corporations, like all the way at the bottom, right? Uh, <laughs> the Catholic church is kind of structured in the same corporate entity. At the top, you have the Pope, <laughs> right? Then you have like the different, like, uh, I don't know, the, the bishop, what are the bishops? The, the bishop Burries, <laughs> right? Uh, and then under that, you have like where the cardinals are, like that jurisdiction. And there's like a bunch of all those are different legal entities. And then under that, there could be like the, you know, the American Catholic Association or the Diocese of East, you know, uh, America or whatever, right? So those are like bottom there. And then all the way at the very, very bottom will be the individual churches, right? It'll be their own little entity. So that it's, you know, sadly, right, if there was, God forbid, you know, something happened in one of those churches, like, uh, you know, sexual allegation or some sort of other injury, they could only sue that little entity, right? So if something happens at some church in St. Louis, you can't sue the Pope, right? <laughs> you don't be like, uh, that kid is now suing the Pope. You can't do that because you're kind of like breaching the chain of the corporate entities, right? You could only sue that little tiny diocese, okay, or, or, or wherever, uh, whatever owns that little church. It's the same thing in law. I mean, that is law, that is legal. And it's the same thing with this Johnson & Johnson, so that you can only sue that little tiny entity, uh, not the whole Johnson & Johnson. And what, what they did in the ovarian cancer cases is that entity, what a coincidence, the one entity that they found responsible for the baby powder declared bankruptcy. God darn it, what a, what a bummer, right? So anyway, so that's why you want to sue, you know, Johnson & Johnson, or, or I'm sorry, the little subsidiary that owns this, and then all the different retailers, because it's, you know, maybe somebody's not going to file bankruptcy, or, you know, you have more deep pockets to go after. Ah, sorry, that was a long kind of segue there. Okay, so shucks, where was I? Oh, the multi-district litigation. Uh, here's how it goes. So, um... When there's a lot of lawsuits filed, okay, 
ultimately anyone, you know, it's usually the plaintiffs or it could be like one defendant that's getting sued in many, many different jurisdictions. They're, they go to this panel, okay? It's called the multi-district litigation panel, all right? And that panel will then decide where all of the cases will be consolidated into, okay? That's a pretty big deal. So what happened in this particular case? Um, okay. Oh, by the way, that panel will be seven judges, okay? Federal judges, seven federal judges appointed by the United States Supreme Court Chief Justice, okay? So the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, all right, uh, he then appoints seven federal judges from all over the country, and they are in this panel, okay? So what this panel has to decide, uh, because a formal request was made on, on June 10, 2022, a formal request was made by one of the plaintiff's attorneys uh, asking that the panel take a look at all of these different cases and decide where to send it to. Um, and uh, they, so the panel is going to then look at all of this. And the beauty, <laughs> uh, I could tell everybody one thing that I could promise everybody. There's going to be a lot of lawyers making a lot of money and very busy over the next several years because get this. So the panel that makes a decision uh, the plaintiffs want to go to the federal court in the Northern District in California, you know, San Francisco. Why would they want to go to San Francisco? San Francisco has been known to be very, let's say, plaintiff friendly, right? So all of the different defendants, and there are a lot of them. Let me see. Some of them is... Uh, like I said, okay, so Walgreens, CVS, Costco, uh, Walmart, Rite Aid, Safeway, okay? Those are a lot of defendants. They're going to make an argument saying, you know, dear panel, you know, of these seven judges, let's not, we want to take this, this should be, you know, in Texas <laughs> or in Mississippi or in we don't give a crap about plaintiffsville, <laughs> right? So that will be the first order of litigation. Like, um, this is beautiful. When I used to teach law, I used to tell people, the first order in litigation is what we call the, the fight over jurisdiction. And what that means is, uh, more or less, what that means is we are now going to fight over where we're going to fight, <laughs> right? Did you get me? We're going to fight over where we're going to fight, okay? It's called jurisdiction. And there's been hundreds of years of uh, jurisprudence over jurisdiction. And I do remember before I went to law school, this was a long time ago, I was in college, right, at UCLA. And I remember the, uh, as it was a constitutional law class, like a pre or a, a college class, not a law school class, a college class. Professor Bowman, I remember this is like four, 30, a long time ago, damn it, okay? And I remember him saying, the first argument in every case is jurisdiction. <laughs> you know, if you can get the case dismissed on jurisdiction, you win, you know, uh, or at least, you know, you win the uh, venue type of thing. Okay, so, so that's the first order of business in all of this. That will take a long time, <laughs> right? So this panel will then decide where we're going to have all these cases go, uh, you know, in whichever district, all right? 
And after that decision is made, uh, here's some of the the arguments from the different cases. The beauty, <laughs> the first, this is so new that the first request from the defendants, like this one is uh, Safeway. Safeway filed a motion and their motion was simply this. Can we get more time to file a motion, <laughs> right? So that they could bicker and propose a different jurisdiction for all of this, okay? Um, that's another one I used to tell law students. It's like uh, uh, filing a motion to continue, like a continue a trial or continue a motion. You are then asking the court, we want to argue for a different time to argue <laughs> about where we're going to argue the argument, all right? So, God, you got to love lawyers, okay? So that was the first thing that Safeway filed, and uh, sooner or later, we'll get a decision. I think probably within the next year, um, it, we'll get a decision. My gut feeling is that it'll probably be, you know, in New York or Pennsylvania. That's where a lot of these cases, because a lot of the big corporate entities are located there. And uh, I don't know, it might be Texas because the defendants love to go to Texas. Um, it's going to be tough for it to be in Northern California because it's so plaintiff friendly that the defendants are going to fight it like tooth and nail uh, to go there. So I don't know. That's my guess. My guess. Okay, but we'll we'll find out. All right. Then the beauty after all of this is said and done, what the heck happens? Okay. The way the law works in, in this, and it's like pretty crazy because what we're then going to have is we're going to have thousands of thousands of cases. By the way, uh, this whole like uh, multi-district litigation, it started in the 1960s because the federal courts were like, what the heck are we going to do? And a lot of it was, a little trivia for you here, these asbestos cases, okay? Um, and I've... <laughs> I'm old enough to remember some of these cases. And there's still a few out there that haven't been resolved yet. The asbestos cases is, you know, a lot of people were getting cancer. And uh, the allegation was that, you know, the insulation in the walls and stuff like that. Uh, you know, when you when you take it down or you put it up or you move things around or if there's like a vent through it or whatever, uh, the asbestos, the, the insulation would cause cancer. Okay. And uh, so there was all of these asbestos cases going around all over the country. And it was like, like the federal court was so like fed up with it, you know? And so they created this kind of uh, mechanism called the multi-district litigation so that they could all be consolidated. All right. Uh, that one was it finally, the asbestos one finally started the multi-district litigation in 1991. Okay. And get this, it's still not completely resolved. Okay. Uh, most of the cases settled out of court, so to speak, but it's still kind of ongoing. I think there's still like six or 7,000 of these cases. Um, all right. So here we go. What's going to happen here after we get the court, um, then comes each case. All right. As crazy as this sounds, what ends up happening goes like this. Every single case in the thousands of cases is handled, handled individually. All right. The goal is that every case settles, damn it. If it doesn't settle, then they just have to stay there until there's some sort of like long-term resolution. Uh, so what ends up happening is like, they'll be, uh, let's say like Walmart or somebody else, they'll go to the court. They'll say, okay, can you let us off the hook if we contribute like $700 million to the settlement fund? Okay. Uh, and then maybe like Rite Aid will say, okay, we had this many uh, stores. They sold this many. Can 
uh, we want to motion the court that if we put in $200 million toward the settlement fund, we could get off the hook. I would think that uh, Johnson & Johnson or one of its subsidiaries, they, um, you know, they would have to put a lot. This is where you hear the terms, the settlement fund, like different entities will contribute to the settlement fund, right? And uh, that fund better be a lot of money or hopefully it's a lot of money, right? Uh, so then the fund is there. It has whatever money it has in there. Then every single case is handled individually, meaning what the court does is they go to these cases. Uh, let me give you an example of one. Uh, oh, here we go. Okay. Here we go. Here's an example. One example. So we have the case. And then all these cases, they're federal cases. They're all public uh, records and, and whatnot. So this isn't like I'm not violating anyone's privacy here because it's all public record. Uh, we have one individual in Puerto Rico, uh, Angia Thompson. Okay. Angia Thompson. So Angia Thompson in Puerto Rico, she's a mom. So her child has autism. And she's alleging that it was caused by her taking acetaminophen when she was pregnant, right? So that's one case. So if, if and her lawyer's in Puerto Rico, and, and that is a part of the United States, okay? So they go through our federal, the United States federal uh, district courts. Uh, so that particular case, if she goes to this, you know, the court, the settlement fund, whatever, she would try to make a settlement agreement with then the settlement, the, the, the fund, it, then the court has their own like lawyers. And then there'll be lawyers that kind of protect the fund, make sure that the fund doesn't, uh, leak too much money or, or, or send out too much money to one individual case. So she, through her lawyers will make an argument to the fund, right? Saying, Hey, uh, this is the kid's medical records. He, he's obviously has autism. Uh, she definitely took acetaminophen. Here's a, like, the best is if there's like a doctor prescription or a doctor note, or if she called the doctor or she complained of headaches or, or whatnot. And then that way there's like a medical record showing she took uh, acetaminophen, right? If there's no medical record, cause it's an over the counter drug, right? Uh, then there would be like a, a reliance on her testimony, uh, you know, or other testimony, or if there's bank record or not bank records, uh, receipts from somewhere, you know, it's things like that. Right. So she then if she could prove all of this and prove that, you know, her son has it. And then if the medical records show, you know, uh, then she could try to get some sort of, so let's say she settles with the fund for a million dollars, right? Uh, then the fund has to, uh, approve the settlement. And if they do approve the settlement, then, uh, of all that money that was contributed to the fund, she can get her payout. Do you see what I'm saying? And this, right? There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then every single case will be handled in that same way. So first will be, you know, the cases will be going over all these big entities. What did I say? Like Walmart, Walgreens, Rite Aid, you know, uh, all if, if these studies are accurate, obviously they're going to do their own studies. And if they could convince a court that it, uh, all of this is is hocus pocus and uh, acetaminophen. It's like freaking here, take acetaminophen all you want. It doesn't cause anything, right? If they prove that to the court, the court may dismiss this whole thing. I don't know. I don't think that will happen. I think that um, the court will not dismiss it because the the scientific evidence is there, I think. And I also think that uh, for the court to dismiss it, there would have to be one very serious trial uh, with a lot of medical experts and God, that would be like just mind bogglingly big. So I think what's going to happen 
is the companies will go, just mark my words, I'm trying to predict what's going to happen in the year 2030, right? What's going to happen is by 2030, all of these companies will have settled and they will settle by giving hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, to the fund. And then everyone will will get their own separate payout. And the beauty is when they when they get uh when they contribute to the fund, they kind of get a release saying, "Okay, now you're off the hook." <laughs> and, you know, fine, we're, we you are not saying you did anything wrong. You just want to help all these people out. You're off the hook. All right? So, uh so this this woman's case, Miss Thompson, that will go that direction. Um and, you know, other cases will be the same way, <laughs> you know? Um, so it's like, uh, yeah, that's how it's handled. I do have a current case right now um, where we are, my law firm is representing a woman who has uh, ovarian cancer and she, you know, testifies and everything and signed declaration when she was a baby, you know, she took these, you know, uh, like baby powder and, and all this other stuff, right? You guys remember the baby powder from the good old days, right? <laughs> so uh, there's links to that to women having ovarian cancer. So her case is pending. And then all of this multi-district litigation is in Texas and it's Johnson and Johnson. But the first order of business is Johnson and Johnson is trying to settle uh, something with the court where they want to, let's say they put 700 million in or 600 million or whatever, they want to put all that money in and then every single individual case, including, you know, my case or her case that I'm representing her on, we will make a claim uh, saying, okay, well, this is her ovarian cancer. This is how it was caused, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. She needs medical attention, da, 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 da. It's uh, pain and suffering. Her life is, you know, all, all obviously altered. Um, you know, we want to settle for whatever, <laughs> you know, depending on the circumstances and whatnot, maybe we can get a settlement and then she can get her share and she could get it out of the fund and she's good to go, so to speak. Right. Uh, and that's how these cases are going to, are, are going to be handled. So my recommendation, uh, my goal is to teach everyone how this works. And Oh, by the way, in that particular case, the ovarian cancer there, they keep asking me, they're like, why is this taking so long? Ah, this is beautiful. I could just send them this podcast episode and then they could <laughs> hopefully, because I, it's always nerve wracking to try to explain this just because it's hard to explain it and it's hard to say. So therefore it's going to take us five years to get this resolved for you. You know, it's just like, it's not, they're very smart. Uh, so that's not the problem. The problem is just, it's heartbreaking to try, like to uh, tell people like, why this is taking so long, you know? So uh, my goal you know, for the lawyers out there, the law students out there, this is a very interesting part of law. This uh, uh, multi-district litigation is very interesting. It's obviously has a lot of work. <laughs> Nobody will ever say, hey, we can't, you know, there's not enough multi-district litigation cases. That'll never happen. Okay. Especially with this one coming down the pipe too. Um you know, so my goal is to educate lawyers, law students, uh, people out there, how this kind of works and whatnot. And look, of course, if you have, you know, you know, your kids or anything like that, and you want to like run it by my lawyer, feel free to call me. Um, and either I will point you in the right direction or I'll see if you have a case potentially. And it's okay. I know I, I sound like the biggest jerk in the world. Like, oh, what are we going to do? The lawyers? It's not like we're doctors. We're not going to be able to treat the kid or anything. But if we could get money that uh, will be set aside for the kid or help the kid down the future, you know, or down the line, 
uh, maybe that'll be great. So it'll be my pleasure. If you have questions, uh, run it by my lawyer. You can call me 619-672-1741. Email me, joe at samolaw.com. I love hearing from people. And even if you don't have a particular issue that you want to run by me, if you're a doctor and you have some more uh, information, you know, you want to fill in the blanks that I had that I couldn't explain very well because I'm not a doctor. I love hearing from you. All right, folks, good stuff. Stay cool in the hot weather in San Diego. And I hope to see you soon. I'll see you next week, hopefully. Ta-da, ta-da.